as a family. We are continuing that message series, Pray Like Jesus. And I have a very challenging topic today because we're ready to learn how do we pray, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Whew. Now, this is a kingdom prayer, and that means forgiveness is available because the king has come, okay? Doesn't mean it's easy. Uh, forgive us our sins because sin is serious. You know, Jesus Christ shed his blood. He died a death on a cross that we might be forgiven and all of our sins wiped out and given a brand new life. So that's very, very serious, very powerful. And Jesus wants us to live free from sin, free from sin in all of our relationships uh, with him and obviously with others. And so I find that praying this section of the prayer daily, it's really helpful for keeping just my conscience clear, my life clear in regards to, okay, you know what? Yeah, I, I mess up and I'm thankful. He has forgiven all my sins. And even sometimes more importantly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he empowers me to forgive those who sin against me because... You know, relationships can be tough. And, you know, marriage, family, <laughs> workmates. Let's just take marriage. You know, even small sins, as they accumulate, they damage a marriage. So happy, my husband and I, we are very intentional praying this prayer daily. And we often, you know, we find things, mm -hmm, as you do. So Lord, <laughs> recently... Um, here we go again. Lord, I forgive Hap for leaving the toilet seat up again. No, like in the middle of the night, it's dark. I go in to use the bathroom. It's like, Whoa. I could name a few other things, but likewise, you know, I, you know, I'm no... <laughs> I am a saint, but I'm no saint here. <laughs> the other day, it's like, it happened again. Lord, I forgive Di. She ran the entire gas tank down in her vehicle, which means he's going to fill it for me. And I'm like, Hap, it said I had 14 miles left. It's like, <laughs> no. no, I know those are silly, but they, as they accumulate, they can damage. But we do take this seriously. We take serious. We don't let the sun go down on bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Do you want to know why? Because the apostle Paul said, if you let the sun go down on your anger, you are giving the devil an opportunity. I don't want to do that. Not in my marriage, not in my relationships, not in my life. So you know, Hap is always quick to forgive. He is. He's awesome. He's so quick to forgive. Me, not so much. I mean, like, no, I want, I want you to suffer a little bit or something anyway. We'll get into bed, and I haven't quite yet mm, forgiven. But I do know I'm going to do the toe tap. Tap, tap, 
over on his foot, that signals to him, I am sorry, I do forgive you, I'll be ready to say it in the morning. But for now, no. Okay, we're having fun, but this is a serious topic. (laughs) I know in all my years as a pastor, I know how powerful forgiveness is. I also know how powerful unforgiveness is how destructive it is. But I've seen bodies healed, relationships reconciled, lives totally changed because we've received the forgiveness, amazing forgiveness from Jesus, and we're empowered to give it away to those who sin against us. You know, you don't have to forgive if sin isn't involved. It's real. It hurts. It's, it's serious. No. I want to be a family of forgiveness here in my own family, beyond, but it's complex, it's complicated. I've seen there are three major hindrances to forgiveness. One is just the brokenness in our culture. Oh my goodness, I don't need to spend much time there. There's so much abuse, betrayal, there's hatred, there's violence, there's prejudice. I could name it all. All of that just, you know, it's a cesspool that, Makes unforgiveness, very, makes unforgiveness prevalent and forgiveness very difficult. I know that. Secondly, though, there is a very fresh, over the last maybe five years, 10 maybe, cultural trend against forgiveness and only wants to focus on justice. Now, justice is just as important. There is no justice without Jesus, okay? So we need both. But there is this cultural trend, and I'm going to address that in a moment. But those are two hindrances, but I think the most powerful hindrance, and the enemy does such a terribly great job at this, is we walk in an incomplete revelation and reception of the true gospel, that we have a redeemer who forgives all sins, Not just yours, but his and hers too. And he is also the perfect judge who will execute perfect justice. And we can trust him for that. And so that ongoing revelation that human forgiveness, I believe the scripture makes clear, is impossible apart from divine forgiveness. From our walking in divine forgiveness, receiving divine forgiveness, we can choose. We can choose to walk in forgiveness every day, but I think it's dependent on just that ongoing, incredible, incredible revelation of Jesus as our Redeemer. I'm forever grateful. He doesn't just forgive one of my sins, two of my sins. He wipes them out and he gives me a brand new life. And I'm telling you, it's a life of freedom. It's a life of righteousness and peace and joy. Who doesn't want that? Well, a lot of people want to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and anger, thinking what? You're punishing the person who sinned against you? Newsflash, no, you're punishing yourself. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us. And we need his help because over and over again, that's the central message, of course, of Jesus. He shocked every religious leader when the worst of sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the people who were just mired in sin would fall at his feet and worship him, loving him. Why? Because Jesus said, he or she who's been forgiven much loves much. Now go and sin no more. Oh yeah, it's possible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, that's another message. So 
Holy Spirit, will you just help me focus on what you want today? We want to pray the prayer in genuine authenticity and faith that forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. So come, speak today your word. Will you magnify the Redeemer who always does right? In his name we pray, amen. Well, to hell with forgiveness. This is a title of a blog, (laughs) not written by me. (laughs) This is the title of a blog written by a woman named Sabine Birdsong, but it was cited by pastor, theologian, author, Tim Keller. He's very well known. He's written a book. It's a very good book, Forgive. Why should I and how can I? Very, very well done. It's a very helpful book. But as I'm reading it, this blog post that he quotes got my attention because I'm so aware of how controversial, how volatile the issue of forgiveness has become in our culture. Now, for a number of years prior, you know, forgiveness was quite popular. If you watch Dr. Phil or Oprah, I mean, maybe none of you did, but I did. And so, you know, or you read the magazine articles or even went to a therapist, there was a very popular mantra, forgive. Forgive, forgive, and that's all good, except forgiveness, in my opinion, is basically just a cover-up. It's just a Band-Aid if it's not rooted in Jesus. <laughs> okay, well, that, you know, that trend, it's like has lessened, and um, it, it's it, what I would call like a more of a psychological paradigm, and our culture has shifted, shifted to a more sociological paradigm, and in this paradigm, it's what this blogger who wrote To Hell With Forgiveness was talking about. She highlighted her sentiment, and I quote, Christianity has promoted a forgiveness culture that ignores justice. Well, that's serious. Blames the victims and lets the perpetrators off free. And she warns, If you forgive, you're weak. If you forgive, you're allowing yourself to be manipulated. And you know, if you forgive, you enable bad behavior. I mean, abused women, and this is documented, I know, are told, oh, just forgive and forget. And abusers aren't held accountable. They go unpunished. They return to life as usual. It's happening right now at a church I won't name in California. It was all over the blog post this week. So she's addressing actually a serious issue. But she captures an increasingly popular sentiment in our cancel culture climate. The answer, though, isn't to cancel forgiveness. (laughs) It's to embrace the forgiveness of Jesus for ourselves and for others who will promote and execute perfect justice. Um, Another writer that Keller quotes is a woman named Liz Brunig, and she's a Catholic journalist. And so she has a, you know, a spiritual insight, and she says, we are more and more a culture marked by an outraged sense of justice and the desire to make people atone for their sins. Isn't that right? We want revenge. We want them to pay. I have news for you. There's one who's already paid. And it's a debt we couldn't pay. He's paid with his own blood so that we can walk free and give that same, same mercy to others. She noted the American people seem offended by the very idea of forgiveness itself. They find forgiveness increasingly problematic. Yeah, that's true. And I think it just highlights we've got a big problem, and it's capital S-I-N, sin. (laughs) 
And they might not want to call it that, but that's what enrages people. We also have a solution, and his name is Jesus. He's the one who hung on the cross. He's the one who, as they spit on him and obviously had, you know, beaten him and, you know, crowned him with a crown of thorns, he's the one that hung on the cross, and he says, what? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And I want to scream, oh, yes, they do. But no, I want you to know that same Jesus lives in you. He lives in me. And if he doesn't, he can enter your life today and empower you to receive forgiveness and new life and release it to those who sin against us. Okay. Well, some of my own prayer times over the years, personally, but with many people, have highlighted the complexity of forgiveness. In 30 minutes' time, I'm not going to cover this adequately, so give me a ton of grace. I want you to know there are serious sins done against many of you. There's abuse. There's betrayal. There's harm. Yes, yes, sin hurts. That's why we need a Savior. Sin hurts. Forgiveness doesn't mean we're saying, oh, it's all okay, or that, that person now you should totally reconcile with. No, maybe, but sin is real. Forgiveness starts with acknowledging the pain and the offense. You know, you don't need to forgive if there's not a sin or if there's not offense, but we don't stop there. We partner with the Holy Spirit to fully embrace his empowering to say, Father, I forgive them. Well, one major solution, again, revelation of this Redeemer. It grieves me in the Christian culture increasingly. Some of you might be walking through this. Different therapists or, the, you know, the internet. I don't know where, where it's all coming from. You're being told, just cut off relationships. Stop seeing that family member. Or set severe boundaries. I'm all about healthy boundaries. Absolutely. But it's so grievous that families are just being torn apart by this. Oh, we have an enemy. I know that. But I want the Holy Spirit's help in consistently, genuinely praying daily, Father, forgive us our sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Yes. I don't want to be flippant. I don't want to be rote. I want to seriously listen. I want my conscience and my accounts to remain clean. So, I mean, I think about this, I pray this a lot, but uh, I've been preparing and studying, and lo and behold, who does the Holy Spirit send to my house? So 10 days ago, I had the privilege of hosting um, a man named Derek Morphew. He's a very prominent scholar, theologian, author, former pastor in the vineyard. He's from South Africa, and he stayed with us in our home. And so we spent hours in front of our fireplace, sipping red wine, talking our hearts out. And he then came and he taught in the School of Kingdom Ministry, and he taught some of our staff. But I had the privilege of being there face-to-face with him. And this was so timely because Derek was sharing with me that he grew up in a time when apartheid uh, took, you know, was gripping the nation of South Africa. And if you're not familiar with that, that was you know, legislation passed by the whites in South Africa in 1948 that 
separated the black and other um, you know, non-white people from the whites, similar to the segregation that you know, we have experienced in America with the Jim Crow laws and stuff. But Derek was just telling me how you know, this was just tragic. It was devastating. It, it was destructive to their country in so many ways. And he, you know, we looked up a couple pictures even, just the racist fears and attitudes, they just permeated uh, the culture. Like, you know, be caution of the natives. And then poverty and homelessness just was a result of this horrific, horrific legislation of, of separation. And then through much pain, protests, there's a whole history, imprisonment, very courageous men and women won freedom from apartheid in 1997. Now, why am I telling you all this? Well, one of the most prominent leaders in this whole fight for freedom was Bishop Desmond Tutu. And he's a South African uh, bishop who obviously grew up under apartheid, and Derek had the privilege and the honor and the humility to stand before him because Tutu was all about this statement. He said, "There, without forgiveness, there is no future. Whether that's for South Africa or that's for any country, without forgiveness, there is no future. So in 1995, South African President uh, Nelson Mandela, who obviously was very involved too, he was in prison for quite a number of years concerning this, he appointed Tutu head of what was called the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And that was investigating allegations like of all of the crimes and human rights uh, violations. But this is what was interesting. He is a godly man and he rejected, you know, the same format that, the uh, post-Nazi people used in the Nuremberg trials where they tried people for horrific uh, war crimes and immediately punished them. It's like, you know, again, justice. But Tutu devised a plan that offered amnesty and forgiveness for any perpetrator of violence, black or white, who would come forward, confess the full truth, because he truly believed without forgiveness, there is no future. And so then personal forgiveness was extended. It was quite extraordinary. And Derek himself went and stood as a white evangelical pastor uh, in South Africa. He stood before uh, Desmond Tutu asking for forgiveness. And he said it was so powerful and the effects were powerful because as Tutu had argued, the alternative to forgiveness would have been a cycle of violence. That's what happens when people take justice into their own hands. And don't most of us know, like, we want to kill them. That's how we feel when we're violated. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He'll handle it, okay? And of course, on the cross, Jesus took that judgment. Tutu went on to win the Nobel Prize for Peace, the U.S. Medal of Freedom. This was a very profound exchange I had just with Derek sitting in my home, without forgiveness, there is no future. and had such a sense. That's a prophetic word for us. There is no future, folks. The future has come in King Jesus. That's the message of the kingdom. The future has invaded the present. We now can walk in forgiveness. We can receive it for ourselves and give it to other people. We can live as new people. Wow, there is no future without forgiveness. Now, I know 
Living in forgiveness is a journey. (laughs) It's a daily journey. It's a process. That's why we want to pray this every day. Some situations, it might take a lifetime where you feel you're finally at peace because pain is, you know, it's ruthless. But there is, you know, this, when we have, whether it's perceived or real, lack of justice, we just start believing that forgiveness perpetrates injustice. No, there is a solution to all of it. It is the Redeemer, Jesus, who forgives all sin, Jesus, the perfect judge who executes true justice. I want to take seriously the prayer of Jesus. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And sure, it affected the whole nation of South Africa, but it starts with just every day, us. Jesus you know, wants us to apply his teachings in everyday life. And, you know, the text of today from the prayer, Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Sometimes, of course, it's rendered debts or trespasses, all the same in, in various degrees, but the meaning is the same. But this is interesting. Out of the entire Lord's Prayer, Jesus is going to add like a PS. And what does it have to do with? Well, let's see. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I thought all my sins were forgiven, right? By the blood of Jesus. Now he seems to say that's not true. That my sins are only taken away if, if I forgive other people? I mean, Jesus has forgiven and taken away all sins, past, present, and future. It's his work, right? Not our work. So what, what, what is this? Well, that's why we need the whole Bible, because <laughs> that's the central truth of the Bible. But the reality is without a deep and a profound and experiential reality of forgiveness in our own lives, of who we were and who Jesus has made us to be and the price that was paid, it becomes increasingly difficult for us to forgive others and we end up refusing to forgive. So there is a blockage of sorts. I'm not gonna go into detail on that. Suffice to say, Jesus has forgiven all of our sins, but that can just be sort of this, oh yeah, Jesus has forgiven my sins and then you go and do as you please. Well, maybe the gospel never really gripped your heart. Yeah, okay, well, we better not go there because we only got five, seven more minutes, yes. Yeah, well, you know, the disciples were very confused. They were about forgiveness. And so Jesus did quite a bit of teaching. And if I flip over to Matthew 18 now, Peter came to him and he said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I mean, Jewish law, under some understanding, was three times was really pretty incredible. And Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, uh, 490. Okay, Hap is at 376. (laughs) No, obviously, the point is, if you're still counting, you haven't forgiven. Okay, it's an immense amount. There's no place for unforgiveness. Then to make his claim, he tells a story. I love it when Jesus tells a story, and I'll tell you this story. You can actually read it in Matthew 18, but the story goes like this. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. There is a king 
and he's a wealthy king. But one day he decides to call to account all the people who owe him something. And so they come in and one servant owes him millions of dollars. Well, he doesn't have the money to pay. So the king goes, throw him in prison and take his wife and his children. Well, there, there's no way this guy will ever, I mean, he'll die there along with his family and he, there, he has no recourse. So he falls on his knees and he begs, oh, please have mercy on me, have mercy on me. And the king has compassion. The king has mercy. And he says, all right, I forgive it all. I forgive the humongous debt you could never pay that meant you were going to die in prison. I forgive it all. I absorb the loss. I absorb the cost. I say, you are free. And he goes, free. The debt forgiven, which is pretty amazing, except... It isn't too long. He encounters a friend of his who owes him money. It's just a, you know, what, a few thousand, maybe not, not much at all. And so the one who's been forgiven says, hey, pay me the money. And the guy goes, I, I don't have it. Well, throw him in prison, throw him, yeah, put him there. It's like, he falls on his knees. No, please, please, will you just have mercy on me, please? The dude goes, nope, nope to prison with you. Of course, that meant your family too. Seems as though he didn't have a full grasp of the forgiveness and freedom that that king had graciously, mercifully, what a marvelous redemption. It made no impact on what? The way he treated other people. Well, of course, some other fellows are watching this and they go immediately and they tell the king, they go, do you know what he did? Yeah, and they describe the whole thing. King goes and he says, you wicked, unforgiving jerk. I forgave your tremendous debt. I set you free. I absorbed the cost myself. And here's a direct quote. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? King sent that man to prison to be tortured till he paid his entire debt. And Jesus concludes with these stunning words. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. There it is again. Do you think forgiveness is important to Jesus? Wow. It's such a serious issue. It's such a serious issue. If we have experienced Jesus' amazing grace of forgiveness, it should change us, it should compel us, it should empower us to forgive others who sin against us. And now I'm going to share what Tim Keller says. He says, if not, he's much smarter, wiser. Maybe we've actually missed the true gospel message. Some people who profess to have asked God for forgiveness, have not been transformed by it. And the place we see it is in our relationship. God's mercy must make us merciful. If it doesn't, then we never understood or accepted God's mercy in truth. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Show me what a wretched person I was before you found me and made me new so that I can turn and forgive those who sin against me. Otherwise, as he said, you're going to put yourself in a place of torture. Unforgiveness might feel strengthening for a while. It might feel empowering. Ugh. You are, I am, whoever is embracing that. You're imprisoned. You're imprisoned and not free. Let's circle back. We want to pray this daily, letting the Holy Spirit show us 
Holy Spirit, forgive us our sins right now. Show me anything. And he is so faithful to show. Even those little things. That I was like, oh, that, was, that wasn't really gossip. No, Diane, it was gossip. You know, or whatever. And I'm not going to detail all of that right now. But he shows. That was the old sinful you, die. That's the old selfish you. That nature's been cut off. And he reminded me of this incredible truth. He says, I was dead in my sins. God made me alive with Jesus, having forgiven me all my sins. By canceling the record of debt that stood against me, he nailed it to the cross. When you live in the reality of that truth every day, moment by moment, you are so empowered to forgive those who hurt you desperately. You are. Oh, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. So, you know, it's human, I know, to want revenge. I know, I know. Lord, help us. Human forgiveness is impossible apart from divine forgiveness. I want to share with you the story of a very good friend of mine from this church, Samantha Stewart. She's one of our ministry specialists. She was born on the south side of Chicago to a single mom who was only 16 years old at the time. Isn't she adorable? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, Unfortunately, her mother married a very abusive husband that wreaked havoc in their home. There was fistfights. There was yelling and screaming. Often in the middle of the night, they, her mom would drag them off to a hotel to protect them. But then they came back and, oh, well, I'm supposed to act like everything's all right. As a matter of fact, the mantra in the home is what happens in our house is our business. So she quickly learned. She had to suppress her thoughts, her feelings. And if it weren't for a very godly grandmother, go grandmas, right? Go grandmas. A very godly grandma who loved Jesus, who took her to church, who, who prayed with her. You know, it would have been a very, very desperate situation. But unfortunately, when Samantha was 15, that grandma died and left Samantha you know, feeling alone, lost. Nobody else, you know, in the home they talked about Jesus, but obviously didn't know him or show any transformation. So she left home at 17 to enroll over at Heartland Community College. But her mother, you know, spoke these words into her, her brain as she left. This is the dumbest decision you'll ever make. And when you fall on your butt, don't call me. So she didn't call. She didn't call when she was sexually assaulted. She didn't call when she was sick. She didn't call when she got pregnant from the assault. She didn't call when she had the abortion. She didn't call when she was living homeless in her car. She didn't call. She kept secrets. And in the midst of it all, she began a deeper search for God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, watch out, folks, because that led her to Islam. Well, they answered every question. It was so clear. And she embraced Islam fully. She, she actually said the Shahada, which is that declaration. That's serious. She put on the hijab. She prayed five times a day. She studied the Quran. She was one serious follower of Islam. All the while, she said, I studied the Bible. I wanted to show Christianity is false. But Jesus just got bigger and better. But she kept that a secret, too. Well, in 2001, God warned her to get out of an engagement to a man who ended up being very, very abusive. And God rescued her 
So not only did she break from him, she broke from Islam, but she felt like an utter failure, unworthy. Again, God had mercy. She didn't know, you know, what was happening, but uh, she married. She had two beautiful children, but after 16 years and 2017, her marriage, her home life was a mess, and she looked at her girls, and she said, what now? Let's let her tell the rest of the story. Then I found the vineyard. I learned how to pray. I learned how to read my Bible in a whole different way. I learned how to hear from God, and that I was already hearing from Him. I learned how to lay down the things that I was never meant to carry. I learned that what I've been missing all along was not knowing. It was not knowing that it was all about a relationship. And God was no longer this big, scary God sitting off judging me. Jesus wasn't shaking his head at me. He wasn't um, doing any of that. It wasn't a random catching of the spirit on a Sunday morning. I learned to know my daddy, my friend, my comforter in the most intimate way possible. The Jesus that was there in the very beginning literally lives inside of me. Not looking at my stains, but loving every bit of me, all of me, fighting for me, going ahead of me, walking beside me. And I'm forever changed. I'm forever changed and grateful because I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is mine. And so as I think over my testimony and I ponder the question, how, all the things that I've been through, all the things that I've done, what was the thing? What was that one thing that took me from test to testimony? And I feel I can sum it up in one word. And that one word is forgiveness. The easiest part of forgiveness is hearing, knowing, and believing that I'm forgiven in the eyes of the Father. I accept that he sees me as his beloved, his daughter. However, I had to learn to extend that same grace, that same mercy, love, and forgiveness to others. But it didn't stop there. I also had to learn to do it for myself. It was scary, but I asked Jesus to just, where were you? Where were you in those moments, in the hard stuff, the stinky stuff, the icky stuff? And he showed himself to me. He showed me where he was. He showed me that to forgive others has nothing to do with the situation, but it had everything to do with my relationship with him and my heart posture. And the big part, I had to forgive myself for climbing into the judgment seat that belongs to Jesus. See, Jesus already knew what I would go through and he handled it all at Calvary's cross. Me on the other hand, I missed it sometimes. And that's okay. Jesus reminded me that just as often as he forgives, I must do the same and not forgetting to do it for myself. As I share this, I'm reminded that he gave me the grace. He gave me the grace to set healthy boundaries. I've forgiven the things that have happened, 
I don't have to keep throwing myself into the fire pit per se. Instead, I've learned to forgive and release those things to Jesus and let the vengeance truly belong to him. Yeah, forgiveness, it was the key. It was given to me a long time ago. And I forgot, I forgot the power that it truly held. And now that I know, I'm walking in my freedom. Samantha, she's right here. She'll be up to help with ministry too. I believe she has something to impart to us. As you've walked through, we always say what God has done in us and through to us, he wants to do through us. And so she'll be coming back up. There is no future without forgiveness. So Father, continue to have mercy on us that we can have mercy on others. And we love you and pray by the power of your Holy Spirit today that our Redeemer is made bigger, better, and more beautiful than we've ever known him. In his name we pray, amen.